coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. I am Derek Izzy, and welcome to my show. First, I want to thank Moses Ronald for that wonderful introduction. Moses, you do good work for us. Thank you. I do my best. Yeah. And today's show is being released on February 1st. So the first thing I'd like to do is say a happy birthday to a fan of the show. Listening to us out in Colorado is Erica Mania. Today is her birthday. So happy birthday, Erica, and thanks for being a fan of the show. Next, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We have Izzy Racquetball, lifelong sponsor of the show. Visit the website for all your racquetball needs. Just go to IzzyRacquetball.com and place your order today. Another sponsor we have is NatureBox, the maker of healthy snacks. They send you a monthly packet of snacks, depending on how many you put in your order. The order that I have is uh, five. I get five bags of snacks every month. Cost me 20 bucks, and it will change the way you eat. They will have you eating healthier and snacks that actually taste good. If you order them following the link on my website, you will get 50% off your first order. And that is only using the link on my website. So go to my website, DerekIzzy.com. Click on the podcast links and you will find the link directly there to NatureBox. So you can get 50% off your first order. And they do keep track of how many people visit their website going through my page and placing orders. So we need to keep them a sponsor of the show. Very important. If you want to stay healthy, stay with NatureBox. Now, the topic of today's podcast. April 19th, 1995. Richard Wayne Snell, convicted murderer, is about to be executed. He sits on death row for killing two people. One was a pawn shop owner that he thought was Jewish, so he killed him. And then upon making his getaway, he ended up being pulled over by a black cop who he then executed. Richard Wayne Snell was a white supremacist. He belonged to a group called the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the Lord, also known as uh, CSA. During his life, he accused the government of many different things. He claimed that the local police departments and the state police of Arkansas, where he lived, were involved in the cover-up of many drug deals in the Mena, Arkansas area. He also made claims to many different people that he had film of Bill Clinton at the MENA airport back then when Bill was the governor of Arkansas and that he was directly involved. He also claimed that his wife had been beaten in an attempt by the government to force her to reveal the video footage that Snell had taken from the MENA airport. The FBI had raided his home 
he was very upset with the government and wanted to blow up the Oklahoma City federal building. He was accused of this during the 1980s. He was also a frequent visitor to a small town known as Elohim City in Oklahoma. Now to give you some background, Elohim City is a private community way out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. It's basically five miles down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. They're completely off the grid. It was founded in 1973 by a Canadian immigrant and religious leader named Robert G. Miller. The plot of land where they live is about 400 acres, and it's frequented by people of a religious group called the Christian Identity. Now Miller, who formed this this religious group that's now grown to over 100 residents, he uh, had immigrated from Ontario, Canada in the 1950s to Oklahoma City, where he started his own church. In the mid-1960s, he moved to Maryland, where he ran an evangelical camp near Ellicott City, and then returned to Oklahoma in 1973 with 18 followers, some of whom were related to him by birth or marriage, and that was where he founded Elohim City. Now, why is Elohim City important? Because it kind of gives you a foundation for something tragic that happened in our history. Elohim City does not claim to be a racist group. They claim to be a segment of Christians that believe in racial isolation. They believe that they are God's chosen people. They're all of white European descent. And they basically want to just be left alone to populate and observe their own religious beliefs outside of the rest of America. They basically believe in racial separatism, that their race is the race of God's chosen people. They don't hate other races, but they want to keep their race pure. So there's inbreeding and lots of commingling among the people of, of Elohim City. Richard Snell, being a frequent guest of Elohim City, kind of ties things in together. I personally have not visited Elohim City, but during my research, found several people who have been there. From their research and their experiences with Mr. Miller, who is now deceased, his son heads up Elohim City, another Mr. Miller. They talk about Elohim City as just being there left alone. They very rarely get visitors, and when they do get visitors, Mr. Miller is happy to show them around, but they don't allow outside press. If a sheriff or anything, someone armed, makes a visit to their city, they will be greeted with armed guards. They don't believe in violence to solve their problems, but they will defend themselves at any cost. Elohim City ties into this as there have been several witnesses out of Elohim City 
who claimed to have seen the guest of our podcast today. The guest who is no longer alive, but is the topic of today's podcast. You might know one of his cohorts, Terry Nichols. Terry Nichols claimed to have seen this person wandering around Elohim City back in July of 1994. The way this ties in is on this particular date, April 19, 1995, the date that Richard Wayne Snell was executed, he made a prediction that something very, very bad was going to happen. He told several prison guards about this. Something very bad was going to happen the day of his execution. Did he know what was going on? I think he did. And I think several other people in Elohim City did as there was a call placed to Elohim City the day of the bombing. What bombing is that? April 19th, 1995, the bombing of the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City. Now that you've heard of, and I will give a brief newscast at the time, this is how the event was reported parking levels, which just simply flattened onto one another right. uh, like pancakes. Uh, you have talked, you have also talked about uh, more bomb threats around the country. One at an IRS office in Boston, another one at the federal building in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, we're not sure how all of this is connected, but we're getting word of this over the wire and through the telephone. There you're seeing more pictures of the Murrah Federal Building and the complete devastation there, just a huge chunk blown out of it. We've been talking about the uh, World Trade Center bombing and uh, any similarities there. We understand now that President Clinton is sending a team in to investigate this blast, and it will be the same team that investigated the World Trade Center bombing, uh, which, as I mentioned, was just uh, just about two years ago. We mentioned the, the correlation to the Branch Davidian fire, which was two years ago today. Uh, the World Trade Center bombing anniversary was the day before the start of the standoff in Waco. So that would have been two years ago in February. A deadly coincidence, unfortunately. I was listening to a local radio station when I was coming in. It was KTOK, actually. And you had talked about this earlier, about the concerns of federal employees all across the area. They were getting the FBI out of that building at 50, 50 Pin Place, where they're located, also trying to get the radio folks out of there because of their association with that building. So a major sense of a heightened alert at this point for all federal employees in the Oklahoma City area. If you are just tuning in, just joining us today, because this uh, would normally be the time when you would see our uh, noon newscast, uh, the newscast will pretty much last all day, I should assume. Uh, but if you were just joining us at 9 o'clock this morning, an explosion occurred at the Alfred Murrah Federal Building in downtown Oklahoma City, a blast that was felt for miles away. Cars all around the outside of the building, charred uh, shells right now. There you can see as the building was just simply cut away by this huge explosion. And as rescue workers were finally able to get in and started the evacuation process, everything was brought to a screeching standstill when uh, bomb-sniffing dogs... Uh, alerted the authorities that there were further explosive devices inside the building. We've had varying reports of how many there were, uh, perhaps two, perhaps three. We do know that they have defused uh, several of them, perhaps two, perhaps three. And we do know that at this point now, about uh, an hour and a half after that original scare uh, for the second explosive devices, 
just now are they finally able to get the rescue workers uh, and those who were helping in the evacuation getting back in close to the scene. And as we've mentioned a couple of times, just an awful scene was played out earlier when they had to simply walk away from the people that they were helping at the time as they were all ordered away from the building. Uh, nobody else has been, the media has not been allowed uh, closer to the building again yet certainly understandable. Only the very most essential people helping out with the rescue right now are starting to move back in. And it will only be once they get back inside that building that we get an idea of the kind of scale of work, not only that has already been done, but that there is left to do. Nevin, we have uh, some urgency out of a local hospital as we do out of all of them in the Oklahoma City area. But at Southwest Medical Center, they have a two and a half year old little girl, fair skin, red hair, and blue eyes. She is in stable condition right now, but they need to take her to surgery. They don't know who she is. They don't know who her parents are. So it says Southwest Medical Center, a two and a half year old little girl, fair skin, red hair, blue eyes, in stable condition, but they need to take her to surgery, so please get down there. And that's the second instance of that same similar situation that we, uh, we mentioned earlier at University Children's Hospital. They have two children right. under the age of one that they have not been able to find parents for yet and would like to treat. I understand that we have Kent Ogle back on the phone with us again. Kent has been over at Children's Hospital. Kent? Yes, Devin, and, and just a breaking development right across the street on the south side here at the uh, Health Sciences area, the Biomedical Sciences Building is being evacuated. They've had bomb threats. They've just had some bomb threats. The police are inside. They are looking, but they have evacuated that building. We don't know if it's a copycat, what exactly the situation is. But again, the Biomedical Sciences Building at the Oklahoma Health Sciences Center is being evacuated because they have had a bomb threat there. Uh, that's the latest on that. And uh, just to get you up to date on what has gone on at the Children's Trauma Center, they now are up to 12 kids that they are treating at the Children's Trauma Center, ranging from two months old up to 18 years old. There is an 18-month-old baby with burns over 55% of his or her body. We don't know the sex on that child at this time. The injuries are ranging from fair to critical right now. 65 adults have been treated either at university or at Children's down here at the Health Sciences Center. And they are taking patients right now from St. Anthony's, being diverted from St. Anthony's, who is full, here to university. So uh, more to come down here. But again, this breaking news, uh, again, the Biomedical Science Building here at the Health Sciences Center is being evacuated due to a bomb threat. The police are inside and looking around right now. Well, there you have it. The news coverage from NBC News back in 1995 covering the actual live event of the Oklahoma City bombing of the Murrah Federal Building. You'll notice in the program they mention the siege in Waco, Texas, the assault on the Branch Davidians, happening two years before the Oklahoma City bombing. That event killed 76 people. It was a tragic event in our history, and Timothy McVeigh was motivated by this event to seek revenge on the federal government. His revenge ended up killing 168 people. Timothy McVeigh has since been executed, executed by lethal injection back in 2001. I'm going to leave you with a quote of his. He says, to these people in Oklahoma who have lost a loved one, I'm sorry, but it happens every day. You're not the first mother to lose a kid or the first grandparent to lose a grandson or granddaughter. It happens every day somewhere in the world. I'm not going to go into that courtroom, curl into a fetal ball and cry just because the victims want me to do that. 
According to the Oklahoma City Memorial Institute for the Prevention of Terrorism, more than 300 buildings were damaged, more than 12,000 volunteers and rescue workers took part in the rescue, recovery, and support operations following the bombing. In reference to theories that he had assistance from others, McVeigh responded, You can't handle the truth, because the truth is, I blew up the Murrah building, and isn't it kind of scary that one man could wreak this kind of hell? Well, my research has proven that he didn't do it alone, even though he claims to have done it alone. There have been others convicted of conspiracy, and we have the connection to Richard Snell and countless others out of Elohim City. And this concludes today's podcast, because now you know the rest of the story. Once again, I am Derek Izzy. Thank you for listening to my podcast, and please visit naturebox.com. Click in the link on my website, and izzyracketball.com for all your racquetball needs. Good day.